Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen Janine. We are coming of age in a slightly older time this week. In more ways than one, because we're actually going further back in time than we did on Morgan Hasn't Seen last week. And, and dealing with older people than we did on the show last week. It's it, it's coming of age in an older sense in both ways. It's very exciting. Earlier period of time, older Old age people. range. But I think, you know, at 17, 18, you're still coming of age. And when Certainly. I researched movies that were coming of age films, this one did pop up. And this one I definitely know fairly well. So um, I thought it would be a good one to have a, you know, interesting discussion about. I am certainly not saying, Janine, that this movie we are talking about this week on the coming of age series of Morgan Hasn't Seen is not a coming of age movie because it very much is. But in a different way, I think, to what we are used to seeing with coming-of-age movies. And, well, we're going completely opposite to last week, of course. We were dealing with 12-year-old girls last week, Janine. This week we're dealing with 17, 18-year-old boys. Yes. So it's considerably different in that sense. Um, last week we were dealing with people who were fairly afraid at some points to, to, to even think about what may be happening um, with sex and that kind of stuff. This week we're dealing with people like Matt Damon, who seems a little bit obsessed with, um, with, with, with sex. And there's an awful lot of kind of like getting your clothes off in front of everybody else in this movie and wrestling around in the shower, which... <laughs> I think if you're, you're into it, you're you're misinterpreting that a little bit, but probably we'll get yes, there. <laughs> probably just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's something there. Layers, Janine. Layers, <laughs> layers of the movie. We might, on the surface, be looking at a movie about prejudice and religious intolerance, but underneath, we may actually be looking at what happens jokingly but also seriously in every all-boys private school in Britain, at least. Stop trying to make this. Significant so... homoeroticism. No, I didn't see any of that. Um, are you but, sure? Yes, I am positive. Okay, then. I... What are we talking about this week, mean? <laughs> we are talking about school ties. 1992, which Morgan hadn't seen, because that's no. the point of the show. Morgan yeah. has now seen School Ties from 1992. It's Brendan Fraser in kind of like even younger peak Brendan Fraser. So he's yeah, kind of like and absolute heartthrob Brendan Fraser. Yes, and a bunch of uh, like kind of actors in their early days as well. There's a young Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, as you mentioned. Chris O'Donnell. Um, Chris O'Donnell. Uh, Anthony Rapp. Uh, yes. All make appearances in this film. Uh, so, yeah. They certainly do. I mean, Ben Affleck to a point. I mean, this is even, this is before Dazed and Confused Ben Affleck even, isn't it? Yes. Dazed and I Confused so. is 93, so it's ridiculously young Ben Affleck. There's a reason he gets about two lines in the whole movie. He's barely in it. 
Yeah. He's barely in it. But, as we all know, it is a fact that if you set a movie, Janine, in Massachusetts, it, and it was made in the 90s, and it was about young white boys, you have to cast Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. <laughs> that is just a fact. Yes. <laughs> it has to be done. Matt Damon's pretty good in this movie, though, to be fair. For, for yeah, a, he got the stronger leading role than his, than his bestie, uh, Affleck, who, who got a more minimal part. He um, did. Why'd you pick this one, then? You say you know it very well. Is it a Janine movie? I mean, it is. I mean, I always kind of go back to this movie as just that movie with, like, all of the kind of actors who have now become bigger in their younger yeah. years. Um, and just a really interesting, solid story about prejudice. Like we definitely see stories like this with other kind of ethnic groups. Um, yeah. But this one just stood out to me because I think at the time, at the age that I watched this, I hadn't really seen a lot of stories about discrimination against Jewish people. Um, Not that aren't, I mean, I suppose you, you you still don't really that aren't almost the very obvious topics. Yes. Um, I think you get more obvious things like Schindler's List and things like that. Yeah. But, but this kind of level of discrimination where, you know, you're kind of hiding it. Like, as a Black person, you can't hide that you're Black unless you, it's a story of you being a lighter skin passing person and then you get That's a story like, like that of life yes um but most stories that deal with discrimination um that you know i grew up watching were mostly stories like that dealing yeah. with, with discrimination against black people um so this one just stood out to me when i watched it in my younger years as you know another level of discrimination that maybe i wasn't too familiar with and just found that very interesting and heartbreaking and um you know that it was just another level of, you know, racism that people have been having to go through. Um, that wasn't the obvious, like something about a concentration camp or Nazis or that whole his part of history. Yeah. Um, that's, no. that, that's, that's the thing. That's, it's kind of what's very, very special about this movie in a way already off, you know, off the bat six minutes into this episode, this movie is quite special in the fact that it is so, Subtle in its, yeah. uh, also kind of small scale in its, um, in its racism, really. Yeah. Not, not yeah. the movie's racism, obviously the story, the story, the character's we, racism. Yes. That's the, the fact that it's small scale means it feels more personal. Yes, we are used to seeing movies where Jewish people are treated horribly if, for example, they are movies set around the Holocaust, or if they are movies even even further back set around, say, biblical times, even, yeah. or, or or a story about you know Moses or something like that, where it's yeah. very much about Jewish people overcoming slavery in in those cases. But in the Holocaust, it's it's you know the the strength of overcoming of having to overcome that sort of horrific thing. Uh, but this is, it's the same ideas, it's the same nonsensical racism. Yeah, like... But on a much more personal, to one person level, it's it's feels unique in that way. 
feels very powerful in that way. Obviously, that is not to say that it is any in any way more powerful than a more obvious piece of. No, but uh, it's it is more history. personal, like you said. You're following this one person, and you know his struggle to hide his faith and what he believes yeah. in, and hide who he is. Um, and you see these other boys get to know him and really like him and think he's great, only for this one fact to change their minds immediately. And the fact that they kind of gaslight him in a way and make it his fault for not telling them. Yeah. But you're obviously seeing the product of what would have happened if he told them outright. But even after getting to know him, they can lie and act like they would have been okay with it and blame it on the fact that he lied and not the fact that they are just bigoted, you know? And I think that plays into the coming of age aspect of the immaturity of some of these young men that they are still kind of learning, you know, and they have these bigoted opinions that they've learned from their families and their history. And um, that's kind of the only reason they feel the way they feel. Yeah, um, and that, that, that's there's nothing behind it. Like, you know, we yeah. do get to a point where one character kind of explains that, you know, I am an anti-Semite and, you know, I said these, you know, racist Jewish jokes and things like that. But now in thinking about it, I've never actually been around a Jewish person up close until yeah. meeting David. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely that those aspects play huge into the coming of age point where they're still young men they're still learning these things you know they're still just kind of basing it off of things they've learned from their generations and they still have a lot to learn and grow from as 17 18 year old men going forth you know into the world so this can be the very good thing about male coming of age movies to be honest and i actually think that there's more to this movie just being a male coming of age movie that that leads to the point i'm going to make the fact that it is also classist not the movie i keep i keep try, i keep making it sound like i'm saying the movie's well, racist yes, the movie's no classist. I, the movie is is is, is, is depicting the these of issues those yeah. exactly the movie is depicting these issues people in the movie are it's about classism it's about elitism it's set in the 50s so you've got an even kind of more um inherent race race uh war type time period that you're dealing with you know yes call it call it segregated call it conservatively thought call it um we are we are us, they are them mentality. Mm -hmm. Call it that kind of thing that, that that's obviously more going on. Racial in inequality time. at its peak. So mm -hmm. you've got the fact that it's set in the 50s, which is a layer of doing that. The fact that it's about elite private school boys, which it, who are classist, and we're better than everybody else because we're here and we're rich, we have money, we come from rich. an elite family. Correct. Which is another layer. And then the fact that it's a male coming of age movie because men in particularly, obviously, wealthy, big name families such as that we see in school ties 
what are they most focused on? What are young men? What are, what are 17 year old men most focused on? Oh my God, don't let them down. Yes, legacy. Legacy. We get a big plot point, story point with one of the characters who struggles really hard with, you know, exactly. having to live up to expectations and, you know, young male ego coming into things as well. Um, that drives a lot of Matt Damon's choices in this film. Exactly. Um, kind of turns him into the villain of this of this story because of ego, not just legacy and, um, you know, living up to expectations, but also, you know, seeing someone who's lesser than you, seeing someone who, you know, even at that point, not even realizing he's Jewish, somebody who's poorer than you, who doesn't have the name you have, getting things that you want so easily, seeing people like him, maybe in your mind more than they like you. And that ego playing into a lot of negative actions going down the line. It's a it's an elitist mentality. If they don't deserve that, they are not me. I am better. It's it's yeah. that kind of mentality that is rife throughout the characters in this movie, and what makes this movie so interesting. Because they're all seventeen. They're all dealing with it. They all don't. They all aren't fully formed brains. Yet, is anybody yeah. ever a fully formed brain? There's your thought for the, you know, big. Yeah, no, at 17, 18, no. your brain is still developing. It's still well, not, a, not, not even at 17, 18. I'm talking about anybody at any age. Brain's always working, brain's always yeah, getting bigger. That is true. You can do whatever you want. Experiences grow at whatever age, but simplifying it. And even unlearning things it. as well is. I was a 17 year old boy once, Janine. You might yes. not think it, you know, with the way I am. <laughs> but I, was, I thought I you feel, were born like an eighty-year-old like man. <laughs> I thought you were born with like an eight-year-old brain. But um, I sound like a head teacher when I say that. Don't you know, like telling a group of boys off. I was young once. Yes. Don't you forget it. Yes. But the fact is that I know full well that I'm a totally different person to how I was at seventeen because I've experienced things and grown things and developed thoughts of my own that weren't just feeded to me by those older which yeah. is what's very very much happening with these with boys in the, this movie yeah with the prep school boys in this movie it's like we have such a family tradition we have such a big family name we have to follow in these footsteps otherwise disowning and kicking out and what will we have left well, you're still a human being, so you'll have plenty left. But they don't think like that. They're not yeah. thinking like that because it's all about the name. It's all about the family. It's all about the following. Status. Yeah, the, the the pressure to, you know, exactly. follow in those footsteps. So to kind of and just they, open up the... Yes, sorry, I was just going to make <laughs> one little point. And the, oh, stupid, yeah. mm-hmm. the stupidness of the racism is what is so 17-year-old boy to me about this movie is that I'm fairly sure when Matt Damon finds out Brendan Fraser is Jewish and Brendan Fraser confronts him about it and Matt Damon is constantly saying uh, things, paraphrasing, you know, I don't like you, you're, you're Jewish, you're calling all the slurs, but I don't like you, you're Jewish, why don't you like me? Why don't you like Jewish people? You can't tell you. You can't tell yeah. you why. 
He just knows that he shouldn't because that's what the rest of the people are uh, like. Yes. That's what the rest of the people are thinking. It is numbskull behaviour. It annoys me deeply. <laughs> and it is just, oh my God, get a thought of your own off your own experience, you punchable moron. It just really it, it grates on me, that kind of mentality, which is why it was so effective in this movie yes and i mean to even that point even the adults in this movie like there are teachers the headmaster of the school the football coach all of them know he is jewish yeah but they are using him oh they yeah they're using him for his talents <laughs> exactly so to get into the plot of this film it starts out with david uh, a young jewish boy or man who is got into this prep school because of football I mean, Brendan um, Fraser definitely looks about 26 years old. Yes, yes. Um, and this prep school tends to lead their students to, you know, a year at this prep school, and you have a very strong shot at getting into Harvard. Yeah. His dad is like a factory worker and, you know, also has these very strong aspirations for him, but because they are kind of more um, down-home kind of people, um, you know, collar, really, blue collar, like class lower people. class, working class people, you know, it's not about a legacy. It's about, you know, just wanting better for yourself, wanting better for your child, yeah. not to live up to some legacy of name or whatever. And Create your own it, legacy. That's exactly. My and like his dad tells him before he gets on that bus, you know, you didn't look for them. They came looking for you because they, you know, saw how great you played football. They're offering you this football scholarship. So use this to your advantage and just be yourself. And, you know, we start out seeing him, you know, already having to fight with people who are discriminating against him for being Jewish. Um, we see he does have a great support system of people who aren't Jewish, who love him and befriend him despite, you know, what he is because of who he is. So we see like that he does have affliction. Yes. So we do see that he is, you know, a liked person, um, a supported person, but he does have to deal with bigotry on the regular and he does get into a fight before he heads off to the prep school with someone who um does discriminate against him for being right for being Jewish. Um, so he does have a heartwarming moment with his dad, you know, just telling him, you know, um, you know, just do your best. This is a great opportunity. And, you know, so we see he is a good hearted person. He comes from a good background, but he is definitely not of the status level of the other boys at this prep school. He was no. sought out for his football talents and not because of who he is in his society. Um, the, like you get with prep schools, private schools, whatever they called in, in whatever part of the world you may live in people's names get put on lists to go there when they are born yes because of who their family is what their family donates and things like yeah. that and that plays into even the end of the film which we'll get into as well um so david does go to the school and you know in not so subtle terms even the football coach is telling him maybe you should just not share the fact that you're jewish um, and yeah. just focus on your studies, focus on football, and, you know, nobody needs to know that about you. Um, and so David does, you know, while he doesn't outright lie, he doesn't say anything. He has his Star of David necklace. He takes it off and hides it in his drawer. Um, when he, you know, hears people making uh, jokes about Jewish people, he kind of just 
kind of winces and looks the other way and doesn't comment. Um, but ultimately, the boys do get to know him. They really like him. He's funny. He's charismatic. He stands up for other people when he sees them kind of getting harassed. And yeah. Helps um, that he's a very good football player. Yeah, he's great at football. He's funny. Everyone is just, like, drawn to him. He immediately kind of ingratiates himself with these boys right away. Um, and he's super likable and Wrestling respected. around in the shower. <laughs> Just because you've never done that, I think it is a very just <laughs> well, I think I a part of that also was a fight. It wasn't like a I know it a, was a fight. I know it was a fight. I'm perfectly aware it was a fight. <laughs> um and we kind of get led into a plot point where one of the students um just is constantly getting harassed by this French teacher. Yeah, I I mean the less some of the lessons we see a we hit we see a history lesson a few times and a French lesson a few times. Now the history teacher, yes, sure, he's a bit like nineteen fifties teacher, but I think that guy's a fairly decent teacher. Like he's putting people on the spot, but he's making sure they know what they know. Exactly. He's not berating anybody. He's just like, come on, you know this. He's just like firing dates off to people and asking them what happened on those dates. Um, as a history teacher, I don't think that's a terrible way of starting your brain up for the lesson. No. You know? But, he's, but... He, he seems fine. But the French teacher, I mean, my God, what's his problem? Yeah, he's very sadistic. Like when he first meets the boys, they're playing music, they're having a good time. And the teacher is telling them... Uh, he walks into the room, hears the loud music and tells him he's like their housemaster or whatever and kind of comes at one student who it happens to be his music that's playing. Um, and so from that moment, he kind of locks in on him to kind of be his like torture subject for the rest of the year. So because that's a sensible thing for a teacher to do. Yeah, you know, to that, just find good. your person to pick on. So the first day of class, yeah, there are teachers like that. Um, so the first day of class, they need to to be kicked. Yes, not kicked out. Well, the teacher does get a bit of comeuppance, which was nice to see. Um, so Mm. he kind of is just speaking French the whole time. He's not speaking any English at all. This is like the first day, and he kind of expects everyone to know what he's talking about. And while everyone seems pretty lost, he's just picking on this one guy. I think his name's McGiven. Yeah. And he just keeps picking on him, picking on him. And it's giving him anxiety. And he is also somebody who has a lot to live up to. His parents are telling him, you need to get into here. You need to do well. You need to do all of these things. Or, you know, it's done for you. So there's this immense level. Yeah, I believe. Like five generations have gone to Princeton or something. Yes. So he puts this immense pressure on himself that's been put on him by his family. And so when this teacher is kind of holding all the cards on him, you know, passing this class or getting into wherever he needs to get into, you know, he starts to get this huge anxiety um, to the point. And, you know, even the other boys notice it and they're just like, this teacher, he's such an asshole. Why is he picking on him? Like, what is his problem? Um, to the point where he has to like give a whole speech in French in front of the class. It's 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 shows that he's studied it. He knows it, 
but the teacher is purposefully making him nervous. He's circling him. He's flapping papers around loudly. He keeps yelling at him. You know, he's pronouncing the word what seems uh, like correctly. And then the teacher's saying it again to him the same way he just said it, like he's saying it wrong. You know, he's taking aggressive notes. He's yelling at him while he's trying to speak um, and just making him even more nervous. Like, I think all of us have been through that where we're fine until somebody kind of yelling at you or being anxious towards you makes you more anxious. Like, I remember a moment I was learning to drive. I was 15 and I was kind of driving on a straight road, so it was fine. And then it started turning into a curve and I got a little nervous. So I'm pressing the gas and we're coming up to a stoplight and I'm not slowing down because I'm kind of nervous about navigating this curve. And then my dad and my sister are in the car screaming at me to hit the brake. And it's making me more nervous because they're shouting at me. So I press the gas even harder and then like I rear end somebody. <laughs> So at that point, I'm just so embarrassed and scared. And I just wanted to run away like McGivern does in the classroom after the teacher's just like shouting at him. Um, Because, yeah, like you kind of know what you're doing. You're feeling okay about what you're doing. But just that little bit of nervousness and then somebody just pushing you and yelling at you and escalating that like your mind doesn't work right. And you just kind of break down. Um, So to see him have that huge breakdown and run out of the class and the teacher just not even being phased by it, not even caring that he is responsible for this, not even really wanting to teach this kid, but just to fuck with him essentially. Um, just to kind of another level of uh, discrimination and power that you are an adult, you are in a position of power and you're just picking on this one person. So I like that we get to see another level of somebody kind of being, harassed in a certain way so that when we get the the kind of huge reveal of David and how he's treated um it just kind of sets up a pattern of yeah you know the the other boys in the class can see this teacher's behavior and see it as discriminatory and picking on and you know singling somebody out for no real reason at all but just to kind of hold this power and have this sense of power and um, status over somebody. And then they kind of turn around and do the same thing without even realizing that. So I loved this little plot point setting that up for when David makes his reveal later. And these boys do pretty much exactly what the teacher does that they hate so much. And that's the thing, those two levels. It's showing the fact, it's showing the obsession with power and having dominance over others that is rife not throughout not just throughout the students but it goes into the teachers as well yeah and it goes into you know the parents and the governors and the whatever 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 once you get up into the higher 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 of the school sure but the fact that that's more layered is just a, 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 a better and more understandable and more realistic depiction of the, the system in place. Yeah. You know, the very unfair system in place. But like you said, it is way more interesting 
the fact that all the students, all Matt Damon, Matt Damon's in full agree. I'm calling, I'm saying Matt Damon as though he's just the one Matt Damon. Matt Damon's the main kind of second lead. Yeah. So he's the one that gets the brunt of the racist remarks to to say, really. I mean, I'm fairly certain at one point Matt Damon says the N-word in this movie. He does, like when he sees um, David dancing um, at the school dance. Oh, that's he, right. He, he says, says he, he must, must be part. There yeah, you go. Because look at those dance moves. Yeah. Again, unnecessary stereotyping. <laughs> yes. For no real reason. Um, although said in a most joking, jovial way, because apparently racism's joking and jovial, isn't it? Yes. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but yes, Matt Damon and Matt Damon and everybody else in the French class fully aware what's going on is wrong, singling somebody out. No reason at all. Simply because he's a bit nervous. Simply because he he show he's showing anxiety, and well, we don't like that. There's no reason to do that. But then we do it to Brendan Fraser later, later on, on with no when hesitation. you can't think of a reason when when your reason um, that Brendan Fraser directly asks you why do you not like Jewish people and your reason. Is a star. Yeah, you have no reason because you don't really know any of them. But you got to know David, and you like him. More. But you don't want to admit that you ever did. Um, so David just proceeds to kind of excel. Um, McGiver, he does kind of have a whole breakdown. He ends up going like that after that breakdown. He leaves class. Nobody can find him. He ends up kind of going back to the class and taking a bunch of pills because he knows he's going to fail. He's known he's a failure to his family and all of these things because this teacher has put that on him. The, the other boys ultimately find him. They take him away because he had this whole breakdown. And David actually stands up for him. He comes at that teacher and says, this is your fault. You did this, you know, and like threatens the teacher because. And the teacher has nothing to say for himself because he knows he did that. Yeah. He does. So um, then this kind of leads to David having a talk with um, Dylan, which I believe is Matt Damon's character's like, yes. he's a Dylan, like the known name of, of you know, his status. And, you oh, know, everybody he goes by the last name as well. It's one of those. Yeah. Uh, David Green, I believe is, is um, Brandon Fraser's name. And, you know, Dylan is kind of talking to him and telling him, you know, you have it easy. Like no one expects anything from you and you just can be yourself. and Everyone just gravitates towards you and everything is just so easy for you. To which like, Brendan Fraser might as well laugh in his face. Yeah, because no, this isn't easy for him hiding his, his beliefs, his faith. Um, you know, his dad tells him, you know, there, there's this, the, I, uh, don't forget to go to temple and yeah. and pray on this certain day. And like he's like, I don't think I can because people, you know, you know. No, and he's forced very... to go to church. Yes, he's forced to go to church and try and sing hymns. And I like when he when everybody else is singing the hymn, and, and he's, he's just, just kind of looking around, face, not knowing what to do. Yeah. Not, mm, so he like he's. I want to sing. Yes. So like you know, 
Matt Damon is telling him how lucky he is that, you know, he can just be himself and he doesn't have this familial pressure. You know, I'm a Dylan and the son of this person and that person. So there's expectations for me and all of these things. And you don't have that. You can just be yourself and people just like you for who you are. Um, but, you know, him in the back of his mind is thinking like, no, I'm not really being who I fully am. This is, again, the pathetically immature levels of the brains of Matt Dillon in this movie. Um, and well, is, it, who is Dillon? <laughs> Matt Dillon. Yes, I'm sorry. Um I've completely lost where I was going there. No, I haven't. Um, Matt Damon at one point in this movie says, it would be very easy to spot a Jew. Oh, yes. You've done a really good job at doing that then for the last eight months. Exactly. Matt? Yes. I think um, so, yeah, they do have a really serious talk about, you know, Matt Damon kind of assuming things are so much easier for David because he doesn't have this family legacy, but he also is seriously hiding a big part of himself a part that he you know is frustrated that he kind of has to hide from people um but he continues to prove himself as you know somebody who dylan's ego just can't deal with you know he is a great dancer and the girl that uh, Dylan grew up with since they were like five years old their families are close and they're always just kind of pushed together you know Yes, Matt Damon says she's his girl, um, but she's no, (laughs) she is also gravitating towards David and, you know, just David being better at football and kind of taking uh, Dylan's spot um, on the team. David actually being nice, really, I think, isn't he? It's it's Brendan Fraser just being like a pleasant person, really. Yes. Matt Damon in this movie has the facade of being a pleasant person. But no, he definitely It's all, I'm better than everybody else. I have to be better than everybody else. You are a horrible person for all this, this reason and this reason and this reason. I'm going to be unnecessarily racist about this person and this person and this person without actually knowing why I'm doing it. Yes, it, but I think it all stems from ego because gradually we see, okay, Brandon Fraser is better at football than him. Um, his girl that, you know, he grew up with that he wants to be with is more interested in Brendan Fraser. Um, the boys like him because he's funnier and, you know, he's more likable. And, you know, when McGivern went through his whole ordeal with the teacher, um, David is the one who comes up with the perfect prank to get back to the teacher by putting, taking his car apart and putting it back together in his room. So when he walks in his room, yeah. his car is going off in the room and everyone is, you know, going crazy because of David. So, you know, it's just his ego plays into the fact that David, things seem easier to David. Everyone likes him. The girl he likes, likes David. He's kind of stealing his spot on football. All of these things. He's better at school than him. All of these things. He's kind of the perfect guy that he can't be. And I think that's what his his jealousy and ego kind of get the better of him later on. That's and where that's the shower where... fighting comes in. Yes. Unless, unless, I know what Matt Damon is trying to do in that shower fight. He's trying to be too literal about emasculating Brendan Fraser. <laughs> well, I mean, if, if I'm going to read anything into that shower scene, it is that... Um, he's they're now completely 
stripped of their facades of being nice it's like to each other. Ancient Greek wrestling. Yes, I mean they're being. The, it's the compl- most. It's the most masculine thing possible. Naked fighting. <laughs> Why it, are you so hung up on this? Because it's, I think if it's anything, psychological. That's why, because it, it's psychological and it's anything, historical. It's historical anything, psychology. This, this metaphor is just both of them kind of being stripped away of their facades. David okay. being being revealed as his true self as a Jewish man. Uh, Dylan being stripped away of this facade of you know perfect nice guy. No, he is okay. a terrible egotistical racist um and that's and those two two stripped away personas now kind of colliding so if i'm gonna get anything out of the naked shower fight that you seem to be reading all kinds of things into because i think it can be (laughs) because i think it can i think it actually can be i think there's i'm making half a joke about it Sure, I'm making half a joke about it. Obviously, I always enjoy making half a joke about those kind of things. But I think there is actually something there. Like I said, you might think it's silly for me to bring it up, ancient Greek naked wrestling. But look at what what is historic. That is historically thought as the most masculine thing you could possibly do. Getting yourself on show... Think about, you know what I mean? Getting yourself on show for everybody going, I'm bigger and better than you. In the most glaringly obvious way. And this is what we're going to do right now. And we're going to fight as well. And so Matt Damon's there trying to literally emasculate Brendan Fraser. And he can't do it because he's weak and pathetic. And Brendan Fraser is the bigger and better man. And this is a male coming of age movie. This is what I, as a as a man, take from this. This is a male coming of age movie. Male coming of age movies are entirely about, to put it bluntly, dick measuring contests. Yeah. <laughs> Which that, to me, very, very much is in a more literal, obvious way than you may be used to seeing simply because they're both naked. Okay. So that's, that's actually what I get from it. That's a legitimate reading I, I see. Okay. Because that's fair. When you just kept talking about, you know, no, I can make Roman wrestling. I can make half a joke about it. Why are you so hung up on the naked fighting? But um <laughs> Because it's because it's an actual historically contextual point. Fair, fair. Oh, wow. And I will trust you having that male perspective that I do not have. Um I have yeah, never I personally had to do that. To to uh, force my masculinity on other people because I do not need to do that. <laughs> I am secure. Good, good. I appreciate that. Matt Damon um, is not secure. That's the point. No, not at all. Um, so it gets to a point where a Dylan does get very just jealous of everything that David is kind of getting in his place, and he discovers that that David has been hiding the fact that he's Jewish, and he decides yes. to. Um, after a big game, you know, they're all kind of celebrating because David was kind of the one that helped them, you know, get get there. I do feel and... harsh for Matt Damon during that football game, though. I know he's kind of like a annoying person, but I I, I know I know we're kind of railing on Matt Damon quite a bit 
during this. But actually, it isn't actually his fault he is this way. It is his family's fault he is this way. It is his upbringing's fault he is this yeah. way. Because he hasn't been able to form personal opinions yet. No. Because he's been forced all this tradition and inherent think way of thinking into and him. Almost been told that, like, yeah, this is how it's going to be for you. These are the things you're going to get. They've already laid out the yeah. future for him, told him his what he's entitled life. to and what he's gonna get. So he doesn't feel like he really has to work for anything. So when he sees someone who really doesn't have to work for anything and people like him for who he is and not what his name is. Um, he envies that. And so when David kind of saves the football game and when David gets his girl and when everyone's like, David, you came up with this amazing prank to get back at the French teacher. Um, and David, you're the solid guy and everybody likes you. All of that is feeding into Dylan's entitlement of what he's owed and what he's supposed to get and somebody else getting that so easily. That's why I actually do feel sorry for him. And that's why I actually like where, in the end, he kind of comes to his senses. Yeah. Because he actually thinks for himself, for probably the first time in his life, in a major situation, he actually thinks for himself, which is coming of age. Yay! Yay! Not just coming, <laughs> it's not just coming of age for Brendan Fraser in terms of growing up and learning to accept who you are and embrace who you are. However people may view you it's also coming of age for the unnecessary anti-semites realizing that their anti-semitism is nonsense exactly so the way he chooses to reveal this yes as we've discussed is in the shower so they're all kind of reveling in the game and talking about (laughs) yay david for well we do have to talk kind of about this reveal um um yay david for saving the day and then um dylan kind of relegates that too oh yeah the school bought us a victory saying you know they kind of got david here and you know bought him for us so we could get these wins and then he proceeds to tell this really racist jewish joke because now he knows the truth um to kind of get a rise out of david and then reveals that he is and like the boys are all confused and then he picks a fight with him he shoves him first no and then um, that's when the fight kind of comes out yeah. and people are kind of stunned. And then just that really, really harsh moment of David going back to his room and Chris O'Donnell, his roommate, who, mm. you know, has been, been, pleasant, been yes, nice. is just kind of avoiding eye contact with him, looking away from him. And he's like, like, and Chris O'Donnell trying to like, leave his own conscience by saying you know i'm mad because you lied not because you're jewish and he can't really face up to his own prejudice he doesn't want to believe that about himself and david kind of calls him out on that he's like well had i told you would that have made a difference um how come you know um how come you didn't tell me and he's like well how come you didn't tell me what your religion was because it doesn't matter like I don't need to know that you're Lutheran or whatever. Like that doesn't mean anything, you know, in the bigger picture of who you are as a person. Um, A good person is a good person about. Exactly. And so the fact that he calls him out and turns it around on him, like, why didn't you tell me your religion? Like, 
you that wasn't the first thing you were telling me. So why is that the first thing I need to tell you? Exactly. And so I think Chris O'Donnell has to face up to his own prejudices of things that he just kind of hears from other people and the things that he goes with the crowd on and really have to kind of look at himself and wonder if he really believes those things. Um, And I think he proves himself to realize that he does just like David as a person, that him being Jewish has nothing to do with who he is and how he feels about him. Um, And I think that's something he has to come to terms with. And he actually does. So there are later moments where he does kind of stand up to David. He defends him. So then later. Chris O'Donnell forms his own opinions and comes of age. Yay. Yay. We get another one coming of age. And, um, you know, David is serving in the mess hall. And Anthony Rapp's character definitely is kind of taking point on harassing him. And saying negative things and, you know, making racist jokes as he's serving. And, you know, David kind of has to control himself in, you know, picking a fight with another person kind of coming for him. So now all these people who used to be his friends are now completely against him. Um, The French teacher is now picking on Cole Hauser's character, our favorite villain from Too Fast, Too Furious. Um, Oh, God. <laughs> he is now picking on him and telling and and kind of teasing that he potentially cheated on this test because it's better than the last oh, test yeah. that he did. And David just tries to come and put a hand on his shoulder and he just jerks away from him. Um, so it gets to the point where, yeah, David has completely been ostracized just because of this little piece of in- information and Dylan is absolutely relishing in it. I like the point where he just kind of is like, well, everybody knows I'm putting my star of David back on. Yeah. Um, when everyone's just kind of roughhousing in the hallway and David walks through and everybody just gets quiet because they know what he's going to find as soon as he walks into his room. Which he is walks horrific, into- by the Yes. Way. And he sees a sign with, I think it's a swastika on it and it says, go home Jew. And, you know, he tells them whoever wrote this to meet him outside at whatever time and he's just waiting outside in the rain and everybody's just looking at him and he yells out cowards because look what you can do you think you're you know so cool and smart and you know funny for playing you know coming for me in this way but look you can't even face me man to man um this is this is the point with racists in general of any of any kind racists of any kind uh because it's all very it's all very much i'm bigger and better and stronger than you and you're lesser and pathetic and i'll write all these nasty nasty horrible things and make all these nasty nasty pictures and make you feel like the worst person in the world because uh, well, secretly, I'm very, very insecure, and I'm very, very upset with the way my life is, uh, regardless of what it may look like. I'm, I'm deeply, deeply upset, and I've got a lot of anger, so I'm going to throw my anger onto you, the objectively actual better person. Yeah. to Because kind of... I found something different about you. <laughs> yeah, so all eyes are going to be on you. Oh and... dear, I don't want to face up to it. Oh god, don't make me actually face up to it though. Oh no, I'm yeah, going to hide that was... here in the corner. 
that was such a powerful scene of him just waiting outside in the rain and just shouting cowards out to them because whoever very, felt very the cool. need to do that couldn't face him, you know. It's a monumentally powerful movie, this. Like I said yeah. earlier on, it's because it's such a personal story, it really adds that intensity in it for me. It adds that effectiveness to it whereby I can, you know, I I am not religious, but I, I can see this kind of, I suppose, uh, an aspect of, of bullying is an aspect of bullying no matter the level. It's the same principle, I suppose. Yeah. Um. So if you have, you know, if you have come under such fire in your life, you can put yourself in the position of these people because you just then, you, you want them to face up to that. You don't know why they're doing it. They don't know why they're doing it other than the fact that they're weak and insecure and angry for some reason that may not be their fault. And this is the thing as well. It may not be their fault. So you have to look at the source. Where's the source, Janine? The source is the inherent elitism in this part, in this type of society. Yes. That's what the movie's condemning. That, you know, the elitism and, like, and the racism in the, in, the, in the society, not the individuals. Yes. And like you were even saying, like when he is outright asking them, like, what makes it different? Like, what is the difference? And we can't really give him an answer, which plays into Sally. He goes to see her and she now knows, and she's just so cold to him. She tells him, you know, she can't be with him. Her friends are making fun of her. Um, Her friends are asking the question, Janine, what's it like to kiss a Jewish boy? Does his nose get in the way? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Does... As though it's Eddie. I'm sorry. As far I can, a lip is a lip. A mouth is a mouth. Surely it depends on how good Brendan Fraser is at kissing. Yes, that which, particular day. which I will <laughs> add that Amy Locaine, who plays Sally, is the envy of many girls of my generation. As she probably got to kiss, is, yeah. As she got to kiss peak bed Brendan Fraser and peak Johnny Depp in the movie Crybaby. Oh, so, yes. Um, well. Crybaby Johnny Depp is a well, yes. Um, so yes, Amy Locaine, um, definitely. We like Amy. Johnny Depp on, uh, on the millennial girl. <laughs> Anybody's um, aware, not aware of how we feel on Johnny Depp's situation? Yes, yes, we 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 um support Johnny Depp, um, in this house. Um, but yes, she also is kind of in the similar vein of Chris O'Donnell, where she doesn't really want to admit her bigoted reasons for not wanting to be with David anymore um, by kind of blaming it on him for lying to her. And he kind of calls her out as well. Like, well, you wouldn't want to be with me if I told you the truth. Like if I was upfront about it and she doesn't really deny that. So then she kind of has to face the fact that she's kind of inherently believing and playing into the societal things and what she's been taught and what people are telling her as well. And she kind of the gaslighting of, you know, what Chris O'Donnell and her kind of tell him that, well, no, it's not that you're Jewish. It's that you lied 
but then when he faces them with the fact that well had i told you the truth would you have been okay with it and them not being able to answer that so obviously so putting it on him and the lie is you just trying to absolve yourself from any guilt um yeah so then yeah it's, it's it's a weak mindset Yes. It's a very, very, very weak, weak mindset. And but we just, do see that weak mindset play into the finale of this film as well, for we, sure. We, we certainly do. And it, it's, it's, you can have a weak mindset as long as you realize that this is, this is again the thing. The people that at the end of this movie come off having learned something are the people that have reflected. Self reflection. I always bang on about self reflection, Janine, and how it's so very very important it's one of the things that i personally love the most about myself is the fact that i'm constantly i mean maybe to a fault self-reflecting but i'm very very aware of everything and what that means to everybody else yeah and i because I can't understand the idea of, and this isn't me trying to be all high and mighty, but because I physically cannot understand the idea of being racist, because it just doesn't make sense to me. It's it's inherent within me that that doesn't make sense. Yeah, but inherent within these people that they've just been brought up to believe these things without even kind of knowing these people. Um, yeah which um, we'll get to a great moment where a character kind of does come to that realization. Um, so it, just, to, it, it frustrates me to watch. Yeah, it is very frustrating. Because I can't, and he asks I can't those understand questions. these characters. I can yes. understand why these characters are the way they are. And I can understand but what has why made they them the way they are. But why they aren't why they time aren't. to reflect. When they're exactly, faced with these questions, when David is outright asking them, would it have made a difference if I had told you up front? How would you have reacted? Like and how self-assured can't... do you have to be, even in the yes. negative sense? How self-assured do you have to be to not just actually listen and realize what is right in front of you? Yes, and you're obviously okay making these comments in front of him and putting these signs up in his room. But when you are able to face him face to face, and claim what you thought felt was so appropriate and funny to do because you're so superior to him, you can't face him. Like, how is that not helping you reflect on things? So as, you know, we get to the finale of this movie, you know, he is now kind of dejected. Nobody's talking to David. You know, Chris O'Donnell is kind of, you know, he has self-reflected at this point yes. is kind of just Chris O'Donnell. He knows David, he's lived with him, he's his roommate, he was faced with those questions and he took that time to think about it and he realizes, you know, that he does like David and what is happening to him is wrong. Um, so Chris O'Donnell are, was always the nicest one. Yes. So now we're in English class with the teacher that we do like and um, they're taking an exam and David sees Dylan cheating he has like little notes he's looking at yeah. um, and another student as well. Um, I can't remember his name. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know his name. I forget his name, but it's multiple people. Yes. So point, really. um, 
Rip, Rip Van Kelt, sees him cheating as well. He is Dylan's roommate. So he spies Dylan yes. cheating. David spies Vil Dylan cheating. Um, at the end of the exam, um, Dylan is running out of class. His little cheat sheet falls down. The teacher finds it. He knows. And before every test, these boys sign an honor code that says they won't cheat and things like that. So um, the teacher, no one will fess up to it. He knows it happened during his class, that test, and no one will face up to it. And so he kind of puts it on the boys to decide to figure out what happened and for somebody to confess. The school is not going to take charge of this. They, the students, have to figure it out. Um, and David knows that Dylan cheated. Yeah. So, you know, out of just being an honorable man, he goes to Dylan and tells him, I saw you cheating. I'm not going to, you know, just go confess. If you don't, I will. And Dylan just automatically assumes it's because of all of this, you know, mess that he's put on David, that David is yeah. doing this. David, it has nothing to do with that. You cheated. We shouldn't all have to pay because of what you did. I'm giving you the opportunity to go confess on your own or I will tell, you know, what happened. And Dylan just being, you know, this petulant you know, privileged brat. He's just mad about it. Use the word petulant. Yeah, it's a good word. Very, you know, as David's walking out, he's like, just why can't you just stay with your own kind or stay around your own people or something like that? He yells when David leaves the room. Um, so the council's all kind of sitting around. They're trying to decide. People are blaming Cole Hauser's character because the French mm. teacher, you know, accused him of cheating earlier on. Um, Infighting. Yes. So then... David is about to stand up and say that Dylan cheated because he's not saying anything. And before David can, Dylan stands up and says, David has cheated that he lied to us about being Jewish. So obviously he's a liar and he's a dirty Jew who does this and that and the other. So obviously he's a cheater and he does have people on his side. Anthony Rapp, the one who was kind of being super privileged and throwing all yeah. these barbs at David once he found out. Um, and the other kind of really privileged boys who are on Dylan's side and have known Dylan longer are kind of in that mindset. But then there are some Chris O'Donnell and other guys are actually kind of saying, no, David's a good guy. He wouldn't do this. So they said that, you know, the council says they have to decide and take a vote. And Dylan's okay with this vote because he feels like most people are going to be on his side. Um, Chris O'Donnell tries to talk David out of letting the vote happen because he knows what's going to happen. Um, but David is like, I don't really have a choice, do I? This is how it's always been done. So, okay, fine. Do your vote because I know I didn't do this. Yeah. So David and Dylan step out and they're waiting and the boys are deliberating and Anthony Rapp is leading this charge about how he's just a Jew. And of course, you know, he obviously, why are you going to believe him? And all of these things. And Have we Cole, learned nothing? Nothing. Cole Hauser, he, I loved kind of his moment of him having his coming of age moment, reflection moment, where he does say, you know, I always thought of myself as an anti-Semite. I always, you know, hated Jews and made the comments and made the jokes. But in thinking about it, I've never actually been up close to a Jewish person until David. And yeah. David's a good guy. I don't think he cheated. 
So for even him to kind of have that self-reflection of realizing he's just, yeah, exactly. You were so worried (laughs) and concerned in French and now look at you. You're in the mind. Yes. So for him to like, to see himself as an anti-Semite only to kind of reflect on it and think about it and realize, you know, I'm just kind of spewing things that, you know, the crowd has been saying, I've been spewing things that I've been taught and spewing things that, that I've, you know, just kind of seen from other people and been led to believe. And I'm realizing in all of that, I've never actually met a Jewish person. So where did all of this kind of rhetoric come from and these feelings come from? To only now realize, step back. I know. <laughs> yes. I know where it came from. To only step back and meet someone from that group and realize they are a good, decent person, and they couldn't have done this. So for him to like have that realization, and a couple of the other guys as well come to that realization yep. that he didn't do that, and Chris O'Donnell fighting for them to have an open vote so everyone can see everyone votes, but no one wants to do that. They all wanted to have a secret ballot. Um. And them really having a strong debate about what to do. And then when it comes down to the vote, they all, like the majority agrees that David is guilty. And the ones who didn't vote for David step out and like angrily just leave. And I loved that kind of solidarity for yeah. that moment and realizing that this whole thing is bullshit. That's that's what, you know, that's what this movie's about. It's about facing up it's more of a coming of age movie for the prep school boys than it is yeah. for Brendan Fraser. Yeah. In terms of coming of age, it's more of a powerful movie, obviously, for Brendan Fraser. Um, you know, a powerful drama for Brendan Fraser. But the the fact we've learned self-reflection, the fact we've learned that what we've been told by our generations of supposedly elite family may actually be Uh, unlearning. Yeah. Unlearning prejudices, learning prejudices and learning. We are our own person and we have our own thoughts that are not beat into us by generations of. Yes. It's it's a lot of unlearning involved as well. Um, And so, yeah, like seeing the characters who did vote for for Dylan and believe Dylan did cheat kind of storm out as they hear the farce of David having to confess um, was a strong moment as well. And David saying, wow, really, you guys are going to do this. Okay, well, then I guess I will go to the dean and I will lie and say that I did this. Yeah. Um, So he does. He goes and he doesn't say anything negative about anybody he just says i confess yep i cheated and then you know the teacher's kind of saying no david you didn't cheat um and uh uh the other student who saw him cheating dylan's yes, roommate dylan's roommate van Kelt. Rip, van, rip van winkle or whatever he's <laughs> yes rip van Kelt. um he steps out and says no i saw dylan cheating as well we know oh, it wasn't we've you david. our senses We've come, yes. oh, good Lord, help us all. We've come to our senses, finally. Rip Van Winkle, I'm going to keep going. <laughs> yes. Um, he does 
revealed the truth that he also saw. And he's just kind of apologizes to David. He's like, I'm sorry, you know, Dylan has been my roommate for four years. And I was just very conflicted on, you know, whether to turn him in. Cause he was my friend, someone I've known for so long. Um, but he but also, you know, Brendan Fraser doesn't do Janine in that moment that some but, of the others would. He doesn't punch him in the face. Yes. And like Brendan Fraser has been, angry. been getting angry and punching many people in the face, rightfully so. So, um, for them to kind of have this honorable moment and maturity. Um, yes. The coming Growing age. <laughs> coming and, age. Um, you know, then David does bring up the point. Well, like, I guess we both kind of broke the honor code. Like I lied about, you know, being Jewish and Van Kelt lied about knowing, you know, Dylan really did this. Yeah. And he's like, you know, there are gray areas with that. And we know that, you know, you ultimately made the right choices. Whereas Dylan in cheating, he will be expelled. So, Bye, ben, not yes. so Van Kelt and David do get to stay in the school. And as the headmaster does try to make this comment about, we'll forget this ever happened. I love David's response that he's just like, no, you're not going to forget this happened. You're going to, every time you see me, you're going, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stick this out. I'm going to stay. And every yeah. time you see me, you're going to remember, you know, that this happened. You're using me for football. I'm going to point you in the face. <laughs> yes. <and> go, remember. <laughs> I'm remember using it. you. You're using me for football. I'm going to use you to get into Harvard. And I ah. walked away. So I love oh, that. And then, of course, you see Dylan in his car. And he's crying, like, I'm still going to, I'm, this isn't going to, no one's going to remember this in a couple of years. I'm still going to get into Harvard and you're still going to be a Jew. And then, you know, great, greatest just walk away line was just like, and you're still going to be a prick. And he just walks away <laughs> the end. And <laughs> Matt Damon just looking all sad and surly and drives away. And that is it's Bye, Matt <laughs> Bye. Matt Damon doesn't learn his lesson yet. He will. He does not. He not. will at some point. He has just had it harder than everybody else. So pretty much everyone him. has that's come why. of age except Matt Damon. That's why. Because Matt Damon's had it drilled into him harder than anybody else. Yes. This this way of thinking. Which is why I, I have pity on Matt Damon. Again, I'm not trying to sound high and mighty, but I have pity on Matt Damon's character because he has had this upbringing of yeah. absolute elitism. Yes. Which is constricting. You know, it's fine to think yourself, it's fine to be sure of yourself. And it's fine to be confident in your own abilities and capabilities of getting success. But it, you can't have that without self reflection, you can't have that without humility. Because to have that without self-reflection and humility, you become a monster. To have that with self-reflection and humility, you become a great leader. Yeah. And it's a fine line of difference, but it's such an important line. Matt Damon will get there. He'll get there when he gets to Harvard and realizes yeah. all the various people that are there that are there because they are very, very intelligent or whatever they may be. Yes, and he might see David there. To, so might see David there. <laughs> like, who else went to Harvard in the 50s? 
who went to Harvard in the 50s. Nobody know. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. But yes, um, definitely a later's years coming of age, but still, I think, validly fits in the theme as there's a lot of immaturity happening and a lot of growth and um, reflection that happens with some of these characters that signals, you know, their, their leap into maturity. So yeah, definitely. It's still a a teen movie and it's certainly different to a lot of the coming of age or all of the coming of age slash teen movies we've been doing over the last couple of months, Jimmy. Yes. And I did want to have... Yes, I did want to have a couple female-driven and a couple male-driven. So we will have another male-driven coming-of-age story next week. Oh, what's um, that? The Way, Way Back. This whole series is based on this one Brendan movie. Fraser? <laughs> it does not. Oh, who does that have in it? Um, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. And uh, Steve Carell and Tony Collette. Oh, when's this from, then? This is from... No, this what was is... I think This of? is newer. I was thinking of a movie that came out in the mid to late 90s. No. I don't know what I'm thinking of then. Anyway. It was 2013. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. Yes. Totally different then. We're out of the 90s, Janine. Yes. <laughs> Feels nice. <laughs> We're going to go back to the 90s for the last Obviously. double feature. Of course. Obviously we are. Okay, The Way Way Back, Coming of Age. Who's coming of age in The Way Way Back, though? Because um, it can't be Sam Rockwell no, or Steve Carell. Not. <laughs> Surely not. Um, what is his name? His name is... Who are the children? Uh, Liam Child. James. Liam Never James. heard of him. <laughs> okay, is, fair enough. Yeah, this is fairly new for him. And well, Anna Sophia Robb. No, I've heard of her, to be fair. This whole series was based around this movie, then? Yes, I absolutely love this movie. I think it is a great coming-of-age film, and I've been wanting to find an excuse to get you to watch this. So. Okay, well, there we go. That is what will be coming up next week on Morgan Hasn't Seen Coming-of-Age series. But School Ties, very good movie. Yes. Very, very, you know, we like the old powerful drama every now and again. Yeah, too much, you know. I, I'm somebody who likes watching movies for general entertainment and enjoyment. But we appreciate a nice, powerful drama that means something every now and again. Yes, well, As way, way back is a pretty good balance of drama and comedy. So, And that's what we usually expect from a coming-of-age movie, isn't it? Yes. The good balance of them both. I like that. Okay. That is what's coming up next week. School ties, applause for school ties, Yay. and the fact that there wasn't much talk about school ties in school ties. No, was there really? And um, why was it even called school ties? Because they were all wearing ties at school. I'm assuming they're they're relating to the ties the that bind type of ties? together. The ties that bind brothers together. I think it was mainly about the ties that you wear with a shirt. <laughs> to be honest, I think they were talking about their own school ties and the fact that they were different colours. Okay, fair enough. They were being racist towards the ties, Janine. No. Okay. Didn't even make any sense. It was tie on tie racism. <laughs> you saw a whole other side of this film that I missed, so I, um, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> Yellow and blue tie in serious argument with the red and black tie. 
didn't make any sense. That's the movie I want to see. That's the animated that was sequel the real I want battle to see. Of, that was the real battle of Hogwarts. Tie on tie aggression. <laughs> That's what I need, anyway. Morgan hasn't seen is not the only show we have on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed. Janine, is it? No, of course we have Machine Mondays every Monday with me, Janine the Machine, talking all things Shmodown. And of course, we have the main show on Fridays. It's a wonderful podcast where we give love to those classic films. I switch yes. off hosting duties every other week with our other great co-host, Nolan Dean. And you are the constant host over there. And yeah, we just talk wonderful classic films. We certainly do. This week, we're talking The Big Heat. Yes. Glenn Ford, Fritz Lang movie. Very excited for that, obviously. Noir. Noir, Janine. Yay. Noir. Noir's great. It's been ages since we've done a good noir movie. It's a wonderful podcast. Every Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. You can find the feed on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Oh, I stumbled over my own words. I never do that. <laughs> Google Podcasts, Castbox, and everywhere else. I never. That's the first time I I've ever actually done that so on that. Smooth. <laughs> ah, I'm trying to rush. I don't know why I'm trying to rush so much. Anyway, we also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon. If you are feeling particularly generous and would like to go and support us over there. The It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel is also there for you to subscribe to and check out the stuff we have there. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Dawn with a three instead of the E in the because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram at Just The Purple Dawn. All your wonderful stuff is where? You can find me at Janine Debean underscore on Twitter, Janine Debean on Instagram. And if you want to get any merch for any of our shows or check out any of my artwork, you can find all of that at my T Public shop at G9Design on tpublic.com. There we go, Janine. I think there's only one thing I'm going to ask you to do. It wasn't even an accent that showed up in the movie, but I want a Boston from you. Boston? Yes, it's Matt Damon. Yeah, uh, now I'm going to come on, Boston. Try. Uh... Make horrible, make it horrible. I'll do it if you want. You do I can't it. Do it. I you can't. do it. You do it. It's gone on too long. Uh, <laughs> three, two, one. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>